GIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Halloween weekend. It is upon us. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour, ably assisted by Bad Boy. I don't know what he's dressing up. He's going to dress up in one of his Bad Boy characterizations for trick-or-treating, I'm quite sure. Benny Mathers at the board. How are you, Benny? Hi, doing very well. You know, I went a little low-key this year, uh, just kind of got behind on other things uh, with home life and so forth, so I didn't really go crazy with the costume. I actually dressed up as former head coach of Washington State University, <laughs> Coach Nick Rolovich. Um, it's a long people story. people even know what you were? Yeah, actually, because we're in Washington State, so it made a lot of sense. Oh, okay. And then they're like, okay, there you're not you coming close to you <laughs> because of his reasons for what he was doing. I thought it was good. Uh-huh. I don't think it's a little too soon. It was appropriate, but uh, well, I'll, I'll send you the picture. <laughs> well, what's interesting is that you have won that Halloween contest repeatedly yeah. at the radio station because you've had the most outstanding Halloween contest Thank over you. the years. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, it's just giving everyone else another chance, you know. <laughs> I think that might be it. And I've also been here for almost 20 years. So the longer I stay, yeah. the more chances I guess I get at it, so... Yeah. Seniority has its perks. We know that for darn sure. It does. Well, on Halloween weekend, we decided to go all spooky. Oh, my goodness. And in addition to going all spooky, we thought, why don't we do something that hasn't been done before? Why don't we bring together a merger of people and interests here, given that it's Halloween time? We are going to be interviewing for the first time, to my knowledge, this is the first time as such, this has been attempted on any program. All right. We have made friends. These are friends we have yet to meet face to face, but we swear that we will. Joey Medea and his wonderful wife, Tanya. Tanya cannot join us today. So we thought, Joey and hey, how about Nicole Strickland? And we informed these august parties. They were thrilled for the chance to be working together and doing it on Manson Mitchell. We've made friends with them on air, and then you've introduced them together. So now they're friends. So it's a whole big friendly thing of people who have never met. And they told two people and they told two people. So it turns out I'm not only a broadcaster, I'm running a pyramid scheme. That's true. It's a big (laughs) matrix. Why don't you introduce our guest today? Because we have some great, great topics. I will do so right now. One of the leading paranormal researchers on the West Coast, Nicole Strickland, is the founder and director of the well-respected San Diego Paranormal Research Society, SDPRS. She was a core member of the Ghost Research Society from 2009 to 2017, serving as the Southern California Area Research Director. She is known for her gentle yet professional approach to working with clients, the spirit realm, and the paranormal community at large. Blending her love of history, paranormal studies, and writing, Nicole has written several books, including Field Guide to Southern California Hauntings, The Haunted Queen of the Seas, The Living Legend of the RMS Queen Mary, Spirited Queen Mary, Her Haunted Legend, RMS Queen Mary, Voices from Her Voyages, San Diego's Most Haunted, The Historical Legacy and Paranormal Marvels of America's Finest City, and Spirits of Rancho Buena Vista Adobe. That's a good book. Her books about the Queen Mary alone continue to be bestsellers. 
And we also have with us today the wonderful Joey Medea. What a guy. When he is not investigating strange phenomenon, he does a lot of that. He is an award-winning screenwriter, audio dramatist, playwright, novelist, actor, and director. His screenplay, The Man at the Foot of the Bed, based on a true story, has been a two-time official selection and a Beverly Hills Film Festival invitee. He is the author of four books on using theater in the classroom, the stage learning series, a company publishing 2007, and he's working on a fifth book. Every day is a story all its own about the art, craft, and importance of telling our stories. His award-winning poetry, nonfiction essays, and short stories have been widely published and admired. He is the author of two novels, Jester Knight and Minor Confessions of an Angel Falling Upward. I'm glad these two fell into our laps today. Nicole Strickland and Joey Medea, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Oh, Thank you so that. much. Yeah, I know, right? That's <laughs> kind of cool. <laughs> nice. And with that, we are underway. When Gary was cogitating about this show and this weekend of shows on Friday and Saturday, he said he'd like to do something about ghosts on the water. And so we are advertising this show as Ghost Ships, Haunted Staterooms, and Nautical Nightmares. And so our themes are all going to be related to what has been happening on the water with related to that. Now, Gary said, well, should we let ladies go first? And I want to say equal time, equal pay, equal genders. I'm going to ask Joey to go first. So there, there you go. go. Well, the, yep. equal, the, equal, the equal pay was no issue at all. <laughs> So yep. Joey Medea, of all the things that you've been looking at, what is one thing that really intrigued you with regard to ghosts on the water? Wow. Well, I think one that uh, when I think ghost ship, I think of a ship showing up, and we're going to talk about some of those today, where the crew is gone, vanished, disappeared. Yes, yes. But that's not what I'm going to start you off with today. Okay. I'm going to start you off with something different. And, and Gary had requested this one. It's the Andrea Doria. Oh. It's haunted in a different kind of way that I was excited about. This was my introduction, really, to the Andrea Doria. It was Italian trip out of Genoa. And they consider it almost as ill-fated as the Titanic. Mm. Almost a, a cursed kind of ship. Um, and there's a double sort of curse that happens here. Um, in the early 1950s, not dissimilar to uh, what the Queen Mary was in her heyday, it was considered one of the most beautiful ships in the world. It was particularly full of exquisite art. It was a floating art gallery. Hollywood elite had to be on the ship when it was around and be seen, photographed when they were on there. So on the 25th of July, 1956, the Andrea Doria is making one of her runs and she had made many, many runs. She's going uh, towards New York City. She has 570 crew. She has 1,134 passengers. Now they're in a foggy sea lane about 10.30 in the morning and they collide with another ship the SS Stockholm. Now I said that this was a compound curse. The Stockholm was said to be an ill-fated and cursed ship. Um, her namesake had caught fire. There had been deaths, a uh, ship had been renamed and we know going back to pirate days, that's an iffy thing and tends to be a no-no. Anyway, she has an icebreaker on her bow. And so she opens the Andrea Doria like a sardine can. 
The Stockholm is fine. They're able to sail to a nearby port. They've suffered some damage. But about 50 miles south of Nantucket, Massachusetts, 46 people are killed, some from the impact, some from drowning from the Andrea Doria. Okay, so this isn't a ship where people disappeared. They know exactly what happened to everyone. So why is this on this show? Why is this part of this subject? The wreck site itself is haunted. That was amazing to me. Divers can hear the shouts of long dead passengers echoing through the hallways of the wreck of the ship 50, 60 years later. They see figures reenacting what appears to be their last moments. We would probably call this, right, Nicole, a residual haunting. Absolutely. The horror, the panic um, has imprinted energetically beneath the water in this hull where people, sometimes they try to interact with the divers. That is not a residual haunting. That's a sentient haunting. That's an intelligent trying to reach out for help. This is scary, scary stuff. Imagine happening under the water. Divers report being grabbed, poked, slapped. Now think about divers. These are serious people, well-trained in a very hostile environment. Well, they call it the Mount Everest of wreck diving. 18 people have died diving this wreck. Some divers have vanished completely, gone without a trace. Wow. Two quick pieces of trivia, and then I'm going to hand it off to my talented uh, co-guest. You can see the Andrea Doria in the 1954 movie by Ilya Kazan on the waterfront. So Marlon Brando's character, Terry Malloy, watches the ship as she descends down the Hudson River. So you can you can check that out. Also, the 2002 film Ghost Ship, I don't particularly care for it, but some people like that. It takes place on a fictional Italian luxury liner, the Antonio Grazza, and the design is based on the Andrea Doria. Uh-huh. Okay. That is wow. I didn't realize about the divers. I that's one tidbit I did not know. Amazing. Yeah, great scary. story. And great it, yeah, story. scary. It is a fantastic story. And the way you said it and the way you, you know, talked about it, it's just it it mirrors the Titanic on so many levels. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so eerie to me. And yeah, both just- ships were moving quick. I just want to say another parallel. Both ships yeah. were moving quicker then they should have. Make time, make time, make time. Right, of right. course. And, and if I understood you, I just want to clarify this for myself. You said this was a ship that was out of Italy? Is that yes. correct? Out and of Genoa. It, out of Genoa, Italy, Italy. And then where the accident happened was off Nantucket Island. So it was going yeah. from Italy to the United States and got very, very close to the United States before the accident happened. Yeah, it was a wow. Genoa, New York, City yeah, run, that they had right. done and done and done. Yeah. And okay. As a sidebar, I looked at some pictures late last night, not of any damage there, but in her glory, Andrea Doria. Oh my goodness, what a sleek vessel. Yeah. I can yep. see why it was associated with luxury passenger cruises. Oh, that's just wonderful stuff. Andrea Doria. So it continues its to hold its reputation, though it, it's it seems at the same time to be subject to various interpretations and paranormality is anyway <laughs> there but in the case of this sh- ship the stories persist i did not know uh, also like nicole i didn't know about these divers perishing yeah. oh my goodness that's wow. so harrowing 
And yet the stories will continue to persist as long as the mystery remains unsolved. You just know that's how it is. Excellent lead off, oh, Joey incredible. Medea. Terrific. He, he got oh my God, how can I go after that? Yeah, how can I possibly a. go after that? Come By on, us bringing up, up the Queen Mary. That's how she can do it. Uh, Long-standing love affair with that glorious lady. Written um, multiple books. Oh, my uh, written multiple books, uh, meticulously researched. My goodness, you want an expert on the Queen Mary, you call Nicole Strickland. So we're going to call on you right now, Nicole, because I have a question that I have never asked you. And you know, we've done however many interviews on the Queen yeah. Mary specifically. <laughs> but one question I have never asked you is when, based on your own research, did it start to become current for people to say, I don't know what's going on with the QM there with the Queen Mary, but I thought I saw a bloody ghost. When did it start to acquire a reputation internationally as a haunted vessel? I don't know if this is a question we can fully answer because there may have been people, because I know deaths occurred during the building of the ship as well, an accident. So some people may have had experiences way early on, but did not say anything. Now, the earliest account that I can think of was uh, the latter part of World War II, actually post-World War II in the late 40s. Uh, someone said that they saw an apparition or uh, some sort. I, I don't know exactly who it was, but someone did allude to the fact that they saw some sort of apparition online, and that was the late 40s. So since that time, I, I, for me, I think more talk about the paranormal phenomena aboard the Queen Mary has started since she's been moored in Long Beach. So since 1967, that's when more people uh, started to talk about it and have their experiences. But, you know, that's something I'm currently trying to research to see if if maybe there is an experience that goes back, that's a, a documented experience back to when the ship was being built. So we're looking at the early 30s. If I find anything out, I'll post about it. You know, I will. <laughs> Nicole, do you do you suspect or do you um, just think that all ships can have a, a hauntedness about them from their building to their final days? Or do you think it just happens on some ships? Are some cursed and some not? Very good question, Joey. You can feel free to chime in on this as well. I, I, I'm of the belief that all ships have, have a soul. Um, are all ships sentient? No, I don't think so. But uh, I think it, it has to do with the crew, uh, with uh, just the entire storyline and, and historical tapestry of that ship for me. So it's hard to say. I mean, I know for the Queen Mary, uh, her hauntings and her paranormal activity are almost unparalleled, but the USS Hornet, for example, which I'll talk about in a little bit later, also has a pretty significant haunted history as well. So, you know, I don't know. I think the larger ships and the more crew that may lend to um, more of a foundation for paranormal activity as opposed to just a small sailboat or something, but you don't know, you know, it's, it's, I think the history and all of that and, and the living crew and passengers uh, and, and their stories have to play into, into um, the supernatural tapestry, if you will. Maybe the larger ships are just packed with more energy mm -hmm. and a lot of that, 
Uh, right. hauntedness comes from the energy that people will leave behind when they've traveled on. very true yeah so, so maybe that's why larger ships uh, appear to have that well it's great thank you also i would have to think or at least assume that when put to use gloriously if not spectacularly because of the way they they remodeled it they suited it they repurposed the queen mary you have the tragedy of war, all the weight of history being made and lives being lost and the, the wounded, the psychologically shattered. If these structures retain energy, what stories would they have to tell? Numerous, numerous. I mean, just uh, uh, the staterooms alone. I mean, there's so many different hotspot areas on the Queen Mary. And I tell people any area on the ship is fair game. You can have an experience in a, a location that's not commonly reported. I think a lot of the hotspot locations, such as the former first and third class pool, the boiler rooms, the aft engine room, uh, some other, uh, some of the uh, uh uh, p- uh, public areas like the Queen Salon or the Britannia Salon, they're more highly traveled to on tours and things like that. So naturally, you are going to get more reports with that. But the stateroom areas, which span from M, A, and B decks, I've stayed on board numerous. I mean, new. I can't even count how many times I've stayed on board. So many low, so many experience can, can experiences can be happened or can occur there. Uh, there's documents of them. And actually the ship gave me permission to actually publish some of the stories from the late 1970s to the present of people uh, staying in staterooms and even some of their other experiences on board. And they share a little bit about their occurrences and there's actually a haunted rooms list. So when you check in on the queen or aboard the queen Mary, you can ask the front desk and say, Hey, can I see your haunted rooms list? And there's a list of all the different rooms on M deck, a deck and B deck that have known occurrences. Now, you may decide to stay in a room that is not on that list. That doesn't mean you're not going to have an experience, of course, but there are specific rooms that have more reports than others. So it's really interesting how that plays out. I mean, you can have experience experiences residual, uh, both intelligent tor- uh, types of uh, encounters, very uh, a psychokinetic type of encounters with uh uh, doors opening and, and, and cabinets opening and water faucets turning on or disappearance and reappearance of items, apparitions and shadow energies walking through uh, bulkheads and walking through walls. Uh, I know for me, I've had numerous encounters. I mean, we'd be here all hour for me explaining them, but, uh, and there are some known claims to like, like the lady in white is seen in the hotel deck areas, Winston Churchill himself by his suite on M deck, uh, there's the Old Spice Cologne uh, ghost that has been encountered on a deck. I actually experienced him as well. Uh, William Eric Stark has been spotted and heard in that area. He's the a senior second officer who died by accidentally uh, consuming tetrachloride, carbon tetrachloride. So, I mean, a, a, a just a preponderance of, of encounters occur in the hotel decks. So All right. I'm curious to know about the status of the pool area where they see the uh, apparently based on what I've heard and, and seen as depicted on TV, there's a little girl who drowned there. Do, is that pool area still open? Is it still functional? 
so there's there were two pools the, the when the ship was built there's the originally the first class pool and then the second class pool now when uh the second class pool in the long beach uh conversion uh was taken off taken away and now there's the the 4d i think it's the 4d theater they're now in it or near its place so the former first and third class pool now was originally the first or cabin class uh pre-world war ii but after air travel became the primary uh, means for transportation for the the wealthy, they decided to open up the first class pool to third class passengers. So that's how it got that name, the former first and third class pool. Uh, It's still now the ship is closed due to the pandemic, of course, but uh, I know they have some issues. It's sinking. So there are some safety issues with that. At one point, I think they were not taking people in there on the tours. But uh, I'm not sure exactly when the ship opens, if they're, if they're going to resume that, because I know a lot of uh, renovation needs to be done in that area because it is sinking. B-deck is right below it. But in, in regards to Jackie, who, who you're describing, now, it's thought that she drowned in the second class pool, but there is absolutely no forensic evidence to suggest that any girl... Uh, by the name of Jackie or any child by the name of um, Jackie, if you will, uh, drowned in that second class pool. So it, we really don't know her origins at all. So thank you, Nicole. Yeah. Joey, when I was listening to Nicole talking about various places that were haunted on the Queen Mary, I'm hearing about the pools, the boiler room, the engine room, all that kind of stuff. And the thing that came up for me was water. And Mm -hmm. in the work that you've done in researching uh, ghost ships and, and things on the sea, can the water itself be haunted? Are there things in the water that you don't find on dry land? What what do you know about just haunted water areas? Yeah, so, you know, part, part of the work that I do educationally and, and entertainment-wise is, uh, is pirates, um, you know, Caribbean, off the American coast, England, uh, France, Spain, and um, so water is a great conductor, especially yeah. open water, and it's a right. holder of memory. I believe that water is a holder of memory. Um, Tanya and I, when we did the two years at the Webb Memorial Library, which sort of kicked off our career, if you will, Um, several years ago, it was right near a body of water. I believe that, um, Tanya and I both believe that that was a factor in why it was so haunted. Water has memory. You're also talking about um, a confined area, very intimate, with a lot of activity, almost all the time. Um, People who have seen the film Titanic, down below decks is another world there's heat, there's fire, there's motion, pistons, boiler rooms, all this kind of stuff. And the people upstairs, by and large, are having this wonderful time making memories. Anyone who's been on a cruise, they know that, so you have all that. But then think about um, St. Elmo's fire. Think about um, the Flying Dutchman and the way tricks of light can play and make a ship look like it's in the sky. There are so many environmental energetic anomalies on the water then you get down to the depth of the water there may be ufo bases um one of the stories i'm going to tell you about from the bermuda triangle that is one of the theories that these people were abducted by aliens bizarre so the water is a perfect 
is a perfect storm. Sorry, I apologize for the pun. And anyone who's ever been caught out at sea in a storm, and I have when I was 26 years old, changed my life. It is an intense, intense place. And intensity energetically and environmentally leads to hauntings. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the Bermuda Triangle because you were talking about the area in the uh, Caribbean, the Atlantic Ocean, and then places in Europe. But what what have you found in your research about the Bermuda Triangle? Is it for real? Wow, that's a great question. It has a mystique. Uh, Let me go through some statistics and things very quickly. Let's define it first. It's the Atlantic Ocean. It's bounded by the southeast coast of the U.S., Bermuda, and the islands of what's called the Greater Antilles, Cuba, Hispaniola, now known as Haiti, right? Jamaica, Puerto Rico. Um, The approximate total area range, we're talking about between a half a million and a million and a half miles. It is not an official, like there isn't something officially called the Bermuda Triangle. It didn't even come into use until 1964, and it was a pulp magazine article by Vincent Gaddis, for those of you who who really like the data, there it is. 1974, it's incredibly popularized by a man named Charles Berlitz. Now, I read his book and didn't know what I was reading when I was 10 years old. My mom had a library, you know, it was the Book of the Month Club, and I read Sybil Leake's books of curses and all these crazy books I shouldn't have read. Looking for Mr. Goodbar, I'm 11 years old. So anyway, but um, so I think that's why. Here's what's interesting. You guys want to guess how many ships have gone missing in the Bermuda Triangle? Uh, a dozen. Ooh, Gary? Um, I'm going to say a number like uh, 32. Wow, Nicole? I'm going higher. I'm going to stay over 100. Okay, it's right smack dab in the middle. Uh, Suzanne and Gary were there. (laughs) I was so surprised. 50 ships and 20 airplanes. Um, And the airplanes, it was like a whole squadron that went away, but we're not doing ghost airplanes, so I didn't. (laughs) So That's another show. Let's say a million miles of open ocean, And those seas can sometimes be treacherous to navigate. We know from the pirates, especially off the coast of America, off the coast of Florida, North Carolina, all that kind of stuff. The Caribbean ain't exactly easy, right? Um, Just off the southern banks of North Carolina, 5,000 wrecks going back to the 1500s. Okay, so these aren't easy waters. So I was kind of surprised. So why is the Bermuda Triangle the Bermuda Triangle? Well, you have the Mary Celeste. You want to talk about a ghost ship? This is a ghost ship. For December 1872, it is found. Everything's intact. Full barrels of alcohol. Who's missing? Seven crew members, Captain Briggs, his wife, and their two-year-old daughter. Two-year-old daughter goes missing. That's creepy. It was found stranded on the sea. It was going from New York to Genoa. Remember oh, the Andrea Doria? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So a ship called the Di Grazia found the Mary Celeste under partial sail off the Azores. Um, nine of the barrels of alcohol were completely empty, and there was a sword on deck. Okay, weird. But overall, you got to rule out pirates. Pirates wouldn't have drained nine barrels of drink, left a valuable weapon on deck, and not taken all of the other barrels. Um, Alcohol was a very, what we call sellables. 
the pirates call them sellables, right? Tradables, very, very important. So if you rule that out, what happened? So this is, they think, maybe a criminal conspiracy. You know, you always think, was there a mutiny? But no bodies were found, no blood on deck, nothing like that. All of the crew's valuable belongings were still there. All of the equipment and everything. So that's why they say maybe alien abduction, maybe an attack by a giant squid. I don't think so. Release the Kraken. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. So uh, you want to talk about that one or should I move on with a few other Bermuda Triangle ones? You know what? We can take our one and only break of the hour and then oh, get cool. back to the Bermuda Triangle. And I would like to, if time permits, get to a story about which Joey Medea is quite well researched. And that is how the ghost ship theme made its way into a classic of horror literature. So we definitely want to do that as well. And I got one for Nicole on the other side of the break. And of course, we want our marketing piece. If you're interested in the tremendous output of these two fine individuals and how you can get up close and personal with them, typically online or attending one of the many conferences at which they appear as star presenters, then we'll make sure we give them an opportunity to tell you all about it. We are Manson Mitchell. They are Nicole and Joey. Wonderful stuff is going on on the cusp of Halloween. We're so happy that you are with us. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is manceandmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. Manson Mitchell go all spooky for Halloween weekend. On Friday, Nicole Strickland and Joey Medea tell tales of ghost ships, haunted staterooms, and nautical nightmares. On Saturday, Matt Shea explores haunted lighthouses from coast to coast. You'll need to leave the lights on for his spooky stories. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. 
Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guests this hour, Nicole Strickland and Joey Medea. Nicole, I'm going to start with you. If people want to find out about the books you've read about very interesting places and how they can connect with you, what is your website? Tell us about your books and anything else you'd like to share with our listeners. Sounds good. I'll try to keep this short for time purposes, of course. So you can, my main website is uh, authornicolestrickland.com. It's currently being redesigned. And then of course, my team's website is sandiegoparanormalresearch.com. I also have a very small website about the Queen Mary that is spiritedqueenmary.com, which is also one of the titles of my books. So you can find all my books, of course, on amazon.com, any of the online retailers, uh, some of some locally, some local gift shops in San Diego carry. I know uh, Spirits of Rancho Buena Vista Adobe and, and San Diego's Most Haunted. Of course, my Queen Mary books can be purchased on board the Queen Mary in her gift store. So when she opens, you can find them in there. And then, of course, I'm all over, you know, Twitter, Instagram and, and Facebook and that good thing. And then uh, another website, too, for uh, Haunted Voices Radio and my show, The Afterlife Chronicles, is WLTKDB.com. That was very fast and very thorough. You're aces, kiddo. <laughs> All right. Trying to keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard to keep simple because you are involved in a lot of things. And so is Joey Medea. Joey, yep. if people would like to find out about pirates or anything else that you're doing, scripts, this, that, the other thing, what is uh, a good way to reach you and get what you have to offer? Yeah, so on any of the social media platforms, I'm even on TikTok now. Uh, um, it's Joey Medea, J-O-E-Y-M-A-D-I-A. So that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I'm very active on all of them except TikTok. I'm still trying to figure out how a 53-year-old guy goes on TikTok. But anyway, um, and uh, on Amazon, um, now we, we have to update my bio because I have uh, eight novels now. Not to. Oh my goodness. But uh, oh. yeah, the third pirate one just came out. But you can go to Amazon and go to Joey Medea author and you can find all the books. And between all those things, yeah, I love to talk about this stuff, Tanya, and I love to help people. So please reach out. Just real quick before I hand it back to you, I have to say, I've read Nicole's trilogy of the Haunted Queen Mary. Get those books, folks. They're amazing. Get oh, them. that's so sweet. And your books are amazing too. My goodness. Well, thank you. They deserve, they're on my shelf. They're in a very special place on my shelf. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> Our shelves too. Yeah, oh, see? absolutely. Mm. Nice. Uh, all their work has an honored place on a particular shelf where we keep the spooky stuff at home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we were talking about the Bermuda Triangle. Joey, if there's something else you want to say about that before we move on, we've got so much material to deal with here, yeah. but is there another discovery you made in doing some fairly exhaustive research on the Bermuda Triangle this week? Yeah, so we'll have to keep some of it, but there are two I want to share with you really quick, and I'm going to try and go quickly. Um, there was the Ellen Austin. This was a 210-foot-long American white oak schooner, so pretty good ship, going from New York to London. She finds a derelict ship, another schooner, near the Bermuda Triangle, just north of the Sargasso Sea. The schooner is perfectly intact. Everything is there except no crew. The captain observes it for two days. He's wondering, is this a trap? Are they going to get entrapped? So they decide to tow it. They decide to claim it as a prize after 48 hours. They're towing it back, and the skies are beautiful. All of a sudden, a storm comes up. They're separated. 
they lose the ship. Now the ship has a prize crew on it. They can't, they spot the ship and catch up to it a couple days later, and that crew is gone. Yikes. Yeah. Unbelievable. You believe, yes. yeah. When I read that, I was like, holy mackerel. You find a derelict ship, crew totally gone. You claim it, you put another crew on it, you start to tow her, get separated in the storm, find her two days later, and that crew is gone. That is unexplainable. That's spooky. Now that's weird how the oh I'm sorry, Suzanne. I I was gonna say the hair on my arms is going up on that one. Yeah. I mean to to find remnants of a ship or a vessel, but yet the crew is gone. That's just whoa. Yeah. That blows my mind. Yeah, that's uh, that fills me with a sense of foreboding. (laughs) Right. So so I don't think you can dismiss the whole parallel dimension alien abduction thing for that. So I I know Nicole's going to talk about the USS Hornet, so I have one last thing real briefly. Uh, This is the USS Cyclops. This was the largest loss Mm. of life in the history of the U.S. Navy in a single incident. It's March 1918. They're coming out of Brazil. They're going to Baltimore through Bermuda region. They got 10,800 tons of manganese ore, 309 crew members. It's a beautiful day. There's no kind of messages that there's any kind of problem. Uh, then they check in. They say, everything is good. We're on our way. And that's the last anyone heard of them. Of course, there was a massive search put on. The ship was never found. The crew was never found. No distress signal. No one responded to any kind of radio calls from other vessels. And the Navy has never, ever found why this ship with 309 men disappeared. And where did it disappear from, Joey? Um, so it was somewhere in the Bermuda Triangle. Bermuda Triangle. It was near Bermuda. Okay. And just with 10,000 okay. tons of ore on it, just whoosh. now. That was may be the, the manganese ore. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Right? right? Is that what you were thinking, Nicole? Yep. That's exactly it. Yeah. The mm-hmm. manganese ore. That, going back to that magnetic theory you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Well, I figured there had to be some significance to this or other than the sheer weight of it and right. volume is just to, that it has these qualities. Okay. Yep. Back, back to the spooky West Coast, Gary. Spooky West Coast. And, and uh, I mentioned something about a ghost ship finding its way into a classic of horror literature. I will leave time for that. But Nicole, there you are, a, a gracious lady of San Diego, one of the most popular cities in the world. And you've done much paranormal research. I knew about the houses. I knew about people contacting you. I knew about your books. What I didn't know, Nicole, is that you have discovered, or at least researched, paranormal activity around the home-ported Star of India in San Diego. Tell oh, us yes. About yes. Star of India is actually one of the vessels of the uh, Maritime Museum of San Diego, which, believe it or not has one of the best, most comprehensive maritime libraries in the world. So you can imagine me sitting there. It's located on the Berkeley Ferry Boat, which is adjacent to uh, the Star of India. And I've gone there several times to do research. Star of India is a very, very famous vessel. So back in the Victorian age and, and from the British Empire, people emigrated to various areas of the world. So the Star of India was uh, formerly named the Uterp, and it carried many, many 
many souls on board. And it's actually the oldest iron hold merchant ship afloat nowadays. She still sails, believe it or not. So she was constructed on the Isle of Man in Great Britain, launched on November 14th, 1863. So during the Trans-Pacific trade, that was from, I believe, 1871 to 1898, she circumnavigated the globe 21 times with two oh stops God. in San Francisco. Wow. Her maiden voyage was from Liverpool. And during the, uh, the Alaska Packers Association, Association time, they actually purchased the ship for uh, Alaskan salmon cannery services during, I believe it was 1902 to 1923. And then uh, going back a little bit, 1898 to 1900, she was involved in the lumber trade. So it's interesting how she got her name of or, or renamed to the Star of India. So the Packers Association picked up four vessels known from the Corey's Irish Stars. And they had uh, four vessels, Star of Bengal, Star of Italy, uh, Star of France, and Star of Russia. And due to these uh, Uterps uh, service in the Indian trade, she was renamed the Star of India. So that's how she got that name. Uh, when she carried passengers, several people sadly passed away, including many children. I know eight children on the 1873 voyage alone. And then, of course, in 1926, that's when uh, she became officially a part of the Maritime Museum of San Diego. Amazing vessel. You can go on board. Uh, you can become a member of the MMSD. You can uh, go on board. There's tours. There's You can actually do paranormal investigations, which I've done several times. Uh, just a, an amazing historic vessel. So kind of segueing into some of the paranormal uh, phenomena on board, one interesting individual is by the name of John Campbell. So he was found on board in 1884 as a stowaway. So the crew put him to work and sadly he was working on the mass one day, fell, broke both of his legs and passed away three days later. Ooh. So a lot of researchers, including myself, uh, believe we've captured him. And one night, this was in 2010, we were on board and we were actually in the captain's quarters on main deck and we were setting up for the night. And a lot of researchers, and Joey, I'm sure you do this as well, will turn on your recorders during setup because sometimes you can get interesting captures. Of course, there may be some audio contamination, but still um, it's a good idea to turn on your recorders and that sort of thing during your setup. So that's what happened. We had recorders running and it was just our... the five of us that were on board and we were talking amongst ourselves and all of a sudden, and this was not heard at the time. So this would be classified as a classic EVP electronic voice phenomenon. And so uh, we heard, and it sounded like it, it emanated from a young teenage boy uh, sounded as though he was kind of in pain. And we heard the words, help me. So we think, could this be, potentially even residual or intelligent more so I would like to think intelligent because we were right there on the on the vessel at the time of, of John Campbell it may very well be him saying help me so very interesting another very tragic story has to do with the anchor chain locker so there was a Chinese crewman in the anchor chain locker one day and then a crewman above him wanted to raise the anchor so he started the machinery and so then what caused that actually caused the the uh the chain locker to fill with the chain crushing the chinese crewman so this mm -hmm. chinese crewman 
was screaming, you know, I don't know exactly what he was saying, but he was screaming, but the noise from the anchor raising prevented anyone from hearing him. So he was crushed and I've been in this exact area and it's, it's a very ominous feeling. You, you just feel, you can almost feel fear in there. So going along the lines of having that uh, place memory and in those psychic imprints, if you will, from emotions that would lend me to think that, you know, that sensation is from that Chinese crewman. So pretty much all over, or all over the ship, disembodied vocalizations and footsteps, uh, apparitions, shadow energies, uh, the tween and Orlop holds are very, uh, very active for uh, activity. I was on board one night. It was in the Orlop hold. And all of a sudden we were on, I believe we were on the forward end. And then toward aft, we heard this piece of equipment like sliding across the floor. So then we went back there and we were deciding, we were moving things around to see if we could replicate the sound. And of course we found that a chair moving across the floor was exactly what we heard. And what's interesting is another investigator noticed that when we got down there, the chair was in a different place and it had moved to the opposite side of the room. So just uh, amazing experiences on board the Star of India. And what's interesting too, is that because there are other vessels located in such close proximity to each other, I think that it's very highly likely that some of the energies on board the Berkeley, for example, can mix in with the star and vice versa. So, and again, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Again, with the water theory and all of that. So pretty amazing. And I hadn't thought about that mixing energies. It isn't as though you can say, oh no, you're the energy from this ship. So you have to stay there. Right. Right. No, they're, they're all yeah. moving around in that general vicinity. Exactly. So that, that is interesting. Yeah. Very good. Joey, turning back to you and you would understand this being an author, you're going to understand this with an intimacy that may elude most of us, but we're sure curious to know how is it that, a ghost ship factored in to the story of a very famous, the most famous vampire of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you that there's just one thing I want to say about energies crossing. When we were in the web, there was a place that we called the portal hallway. And Mm. one night we had three dimensions interacting. Um, So they don't know boundaries. There was us, there was us, the living There was a group that was aware of us, and there was another dimension where we believed that they were sentient, but they had no idea that we were, but we were aware of them. So so those things can kind of happen. So Bram Stoker's written a couple of novels, but he's really looking for that one. And as a novelist, I understand that. What's the next thing that I can do? Well, he goes to Wick. Be Harbor in England, and he speaks to members of the Royal Coast Guard. So this isn't just your average everyday person. This is your old trope of, okay, these are people in uniform, and so they're trustworthy. They tell him that there was a ship, and there are newspaper articles and things like that. The ship was called the Dimitri, and it had run aground a few years earlier. This is, I believe, in 1895. It run aground a few years earlier, And it wound up in the protective harbor there by Whitby with only a handful of the crew remaining alive. So not quite a ghost ship, but close. The ship had come out of Varna, an Eastern European port. Okay, starting to sound familiar. The novelist's gears are turning. And it's carrying a mysterious cargo in its hold. Crates of Earth. Oh, gosh. Whoa. While they're investigating the damaged ship, 
rescue workers report that a large black dog, which is very similar to a Yorkshire myth of a beast known as the bar guest, escaped from the hull of the ship. So if you've seen um, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula when that dog wolf comes springing out, that was the report going all the way back. And they said that it ran up the 199 steps from Tate Sand Beach and went into the graveyard of St. Mary's Church. Well, there you go, right? There, it's all there. Crates of Earth, almost a ghost ship, kind of comes floating into the harbor under weird circumstances, and out of the hull comes this giant black dog that reminds them of the Yorkshire Bargus. And from that moment, um, Stoker was off to the races, creating the greatest uh, vampire novel ever. That's that amazing. is another great story. And with this transport yeah. of a coffin, the very secretive activity managed by what we might call a familiar and usually a, a well-dressed and rather supercilious familiar, you get echoes of that in Salem's Lot by Stephen King. Oh, absolutely. Yes. For those who don't know, Salem's Lot is a very purposeful deconstruction of Dracula. That's that's what King did. You know, Oliver uh, Sacks wrote Love Story by deconstructing dozens of love stories. Well, King did that with Dracula. He said, why is this classic a classic? going to break it down into its component parts, and then he wound up reconstituting it into Salem's Lot, which is a, which is a brilliant story. So no coincidence there. Oh, very, very good. Amazing. Nicole, you're getting you're getting the final word today. Earlier <laughs> in the interview, Joey alluded to the fact that you were going to be talking about the USS Hornet, which is in Alameda. And so you're getting the last word today. Tell us about the USS Hornet. Oh my gosh, another amazing ship. So I was actually in 2000, July of 2019, I was uh, invited to speak at its history and mystery event there so I did a little presentation about the Queen Mary to keep along with the uh, ship theme and then I joined uh, visitors on an all-night paranormal investigation which was amazing I got to stay on board the ship for two nights just absolutely fantastic so the USS Hornet CV-12 was an Essex-class aircraft carrier built for the U.S. Navy during World War II Completed in 1943, assigned to the Fast Carrier Task Force. She participated in the Japanese attacks in New Guinea, Palau, and Truk, and among others, destroyed, oh gosh, one th- around, around 1,410 Japanese aircrafts. She then, uh, her service was then in the Battle of the Philippine Sea. And then, I mean, I'm just skimping the history here. I mean, there's so much on it. And then post-war, she, of course, uh, participated in the uh, Operation Magic Carpet, repatriating troops to the U.S., placed in reserve in 1946, and then reactivated for the Korean War of 1950 to 1953. Late 50s, she was an anti-submarine carrier, and then she had a minor role in the Vietnam War. And then interestingly, she uh, participated in the Apollo program. So she recovered the astronauts from the Apollo 11 and Apollo 12. So that's really cool. Mm. She's been placed as a national and California historical landmark. Her museum actually opened in 1998. So Alameda is uh, east of San Francisco about. So, and then interestingly with San Francisco, much of it is built on an old ship vessel graveyard. So that's another, maybe we can talk about that on another show. 
What's interesting about the Hornet, there were many deaths on board, including suicides. It actually had the highest suicide rate in the Navy. So more than 300 people lost their lives on the vessel, sucked into air intakes, blown off deck, dropped ordnance explosions, burning them and killing them, you name it. So when you walk on board, you can almost feel that energy. It's a place memory from all of that on board. You can feel it. Uh, many different paranormal activity. There's the dress white ghosts. So sailors seen in their white uniforms, the area where I bunked, there's an actual picture of uh, an apparition dressed in all white kind of in, in the, in the hallway there. Officer apparitions, Heidi Shav, she's uh, the edu- I forget exactly her title, but she works on board um, and she's in charge of the educational programs there. She was in her office one day, felt a cold spot and saw a man in a blue uniform who walked right through the bulkhead. And she saw this with her own eyes. Wow. So when we were on board that night, I teamed up with uh, Tammy Benjamin and Jason Cobb, two good friends of mine that I actually met on the Hornet. And we've <laughs> since that time we became, we become good friends. So the three of us were in the engine room and all of a sudden we heard uh something and Tammy and I were like oh maybe that's another group whatnot and then Jason said no that sounded like a dog so we re- we reviewed our audio right then and there and of course when we heard it absolutely you hear like a barking of the dog and then the whining of the dog and so then our our guide said oh that's Stella the ghost dog so I don't know if she was a, a volunteer or a crewman owned the dog I forget but very interesting and so that audio clip is on our website under data and evidence san diego paranormal research.com and then another interesting encounter again later on that night we were in the engine room area and this is where a man a volunteer in 2007 tragically tragically hung himself uh, on board i'm not gonna of course due to you know out of respect for him and the family not uh, list his name So in that general area, I asked, I said, is there anything that we can do for you? Is there anything that we can help you with? Did not hear this at the time, to my knowledge, when I reviewed my audio a few days later, there was a response to that question, a young man saying no. So which kind of made me tear up because, you know, hopefully the answer to that, if it's him, is saying, no, I'm okay, and I'm at peace. That's what I got from it. So numerous, numerous encounters on board the Hornet. If you have not yet been, please go. Amazing, amazing vessel. So oh, Nicole, Joey, what a great hour, and what a great start to the Halloween weekend. I'll yes. tell you what, even though it may not be Halloween at the time, we're going to get Tanya Medea involved here. Nicole Strickland, Joey Medea, Tanya Medea, Manson Mitchell, we're going to have ourselves a haunted hoot nanny. Yeah, there you go. Anytime. I'm there. Anytime. 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 Thank you both so much. Thank what you. a pleasure Thank to you gather a lot of fun. on this auspicious occasion, spooky as it is. Thank you both so much. We will do this again. All right. Thank you. Happy Halloween, everyone. Thank you, Nicole. It was an honor. Yeah, it was an honor with you too, Joy. Say hi to Tanya for me. Thank you sure guys will. so much. Happy Halloween. Our pleasure. Stay tuned for the Christine Up Church show and at one o'clock Pacific, American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mance. Talking about haunted lighthouses, y'all. Make Woo! this the start of a great spooky weekend, everyone.